Welcome to the survival podcast for people who take movies too seriously. Today, we are finally getting to uh, maybe a Christmas classic, but something we have promised for like two years and we're finally getting to it. That is, of course, Die Hard. But Shane isn't sitting across the table from me, so we didn't keep that promise. Uh, instead, uh, a former resident of the bunker and technically uh, a returning guest host, I'll explain that after, uh, is my friend Richie. How's it going? And I asked you this last time too, but uh, surname, no surname, doesn't um, matter. Yeah, no surname, Richie's yeah, fine. I, I like I, you're usually that. like Richie of such and such podcast, but I mean, technically I'm Richie of um, Decked Out podcast, Oh, that I, hasn't ran for a while. We didn't, I... I only thought of that when I was editing the last episode where I was like, we never mentioned Decked Out. No. We I even mean, mentioned like the possibility of another podcast we might do, hmm. but never Decked Out. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. So first of all, t- to explain why I'm saying Richie's a returning guest and a lot of you might be like, no, he's not. Uh, I actually recorded an episode with Richie two months ago hmm. for Halloween and uh, then <laughs> I put my back out and I was a pussy and was like, well, I can't sit down and edit for three hours or however long it takes. I genuinely actually couldn't, like I physically couldn't sit down for that long. So it just got delayed and delayed and delayed until it was the 1st of December. And I was like, I can't upload a Halloween episode in December. I did encourage you to make it your Christmas special. I thought a Halloween on Christmas would be it was that it is, just me being lazy. That is a good idea, and technically, it's not too late to do that. Mm. So people could be hearing this. I could, you see, I could actually upload it like Christmas Eve as a joke, and then mm. have this one go up the next day. Yeah, but then you're kind of shooting your load fairly quick there. Like, yeah. You know, all that work we put in for the last few months. That's it. But you will hear the Halloween episode. I'll probably just put up in, like, the new year. But yeah, so it's technically your second episode. First for the listeners. But Decked Out. I forgot what we what was to get back to. Yeah, so we actually done a podcast called Decked Out, which was... Uh, a few years ago now. Was that, like, three, three or four years yeah, ago? Yeah, was it... Was it for the first season of Decker when it, when it went on to Adult Swim's actual, like... Network. As I think opposed- it was this. Oh Jesus! The history of Decker now. Literally, do your listeners actually know what Decker is? So Decker is a uh, one of probably one of my favorite series. Mm. Uh, now I haven't been keeping up with it, which is strange. Yeah, like it'd be up there with probably. Well, I was gonna say it'd be up there with the Wire, but yeah, I mean, the Wire. Sopranos was a web series. <laughs> I think they'd pale in comparison to what Decker is. But uh, yeah, so we done a fan cast for. Uh, Decker called Decked Out. I think we were probably, I'm sure there was more fan, like, there would, there'd have to be more fan casts for that show, but we never really checked because we didn't want to, uh, we didn't want it to affect yeah, our was, take on As the far show. as I know, we were the only Irish Decker podcast. Yeah, yeah. The full title, I think, I think was Decked Out, the unofficial Irish fan cast for Decker. Mm. Did we try and get official status from Tim Heidecker as well? Did we? We put we, him? we we put it out there. We never heard back. Okay. I think Greg replied to one tweet from us. <laughs> I could have approached him. I saw Greg at a oh yeah at a show earlier this year, but um yeah, I think he was very in character, so I didn't want to approach mm. him when he's doing um Neil Hamburger. So I'm probably just getting the on the bollocking from him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although that'd saw, be great. Yeah, too. I think I saw him tr- drinking out the back just before we went in. But that was what you could say about most comedians. They're all just drinking around the back of a tent. It's like, <laughs> it is a festival. Where, wait, where was that? 
Um, in Dublin city centre in the Ivy Gardens oh okay yeah. we stopped decked out very soon like I think we only actually done three episodes I think three yeah which is a shame we had uh, one very loyal fan who <laughs> <laughs> that we did that that was actually a fun podcast to do yeah like we still go back to it like it's never too late but like the idea of doing an entire podcast like essentially in character yeah yeah, I'd like to go back to Decked Out. Um, I'd, I'm, I'm really into the idea of a podcast we might do called Dead Wrestlers. Dead Wrestlers with Johnny and Richie. I think it needs to have like <laughs> a really lengthy title and we almost treat it like I think the aesthetic should be like um, a morning TV show. But we just happen to be talking about deceased pro wrestlers. Oh, that's actually, yeah, that's actually. Yeah, like, you know, like with that. Johnny and Richie is in like kind of the yeah, handwriting yeah, yeah. script. That's how it's always been in my head. That's good. Uh so it, <laughs> I was going to say, so explain what what we would want dead wrestlers to be, but like I mean, the title's there, like it. Yeah, um, basically we discuss um, the dead wrestlers. Yeah, our, our all our favorite <laughs> dead wrestlers, because I mean, there's thousands of them. Like there, mm. if any any profession's going to get you dead, it's unfortunately it's a show that will never really run out of material. No, well, everybody I mean, dies, but I mean, dead wrestlers, they, they die very young. Yeah. Like, I nearly message you every week going, oh, no, Bam Bam Big Log is yeah. gone, and Jesus. It's odd. I feel like we're unplugging a podcast that doesn't exist, but um, it's one we do, we do want to do. But it's something we would do. It wouldn't be like this. Well, I was going to say it wouldn't be like a weekly show like Disaster Artists that's had, <laughs> that's had five episodes this year. But it, we wouldn't intend it to be weekly. We would do it in seasons. Isn't that the idea? I think that's probably a lot better. Like yeah. 12 episodes a year or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, I, there's times when I haven't seen you for six months. Although people do podcasts over Skype, but we live in the same city. So, you know, I don't feel we can do that. I find it very difficult to do them over Skype. Like, quality-wise, you can manage it. But, yeah, I just find it it's, it's so different. It just feels like, when you're listening back, it just feels like you're just listening to a private phone call or something. It just... Yeah, like I think it seems like a lot of podcasts kind of grow into it, like and they get over that phase. Like a yeah. lot of my listening, to only that's do it. it. Maybe that way yeah, now, you, you need to do it regularly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we're doing Die Hard this week because you know it is Christmas, and <laughs> though some would argue Die Hard has no place during Christmas, uh, we'll get to that. But uh, it's one we promised for. I think like this was meant to be our first Christmas special, like when we started the show. Wow. And then we don't. We ended up doing Home Alone instead. But then the next, and we're like, oh, we'll do Die Hard the next year. I don't think I've listened to your Home Alone one. How did I miss that? The Home Alone ones. I remember that being pretty good. I must go back and listen to that because I watched Home Alone last week, and I actually have. I was going to bring it up in this conversation because there's a lot to say here with Die Hard. <laughs> do we? I think yeah. I say that in the Home Alone episode where we're like, at the end we're like, yeah, I guess we kind of just done Die Hard anyway by proxy. <laughs> it's the it's the same film. But yeah, for some reason, we, we've had very bad luck uh, getting Christmas episodes done. I guess Shane's married and stuff, so he's he's got obligations here on Christmas. Yeah, I, like, I mean, you can be married and just, you know, just forget those obligations. Yeah, I saw he doesn't have kids, like. Yeah. I mean, he could now. I haven't, I haven't, yeah, not I, that he knows of, anyway. I, I've only, like, actually talked to him, like, once this year, so like, he could, <laughs> technically, he could have had a kid. Since. <laughs> I'm sure, like as in, I've talked to him online and stuff, so I'm sure he'd uh, mentioned that. Yeah. But that'd be very like him, though, where he might actually like not mention that until you ask. So, is Die Hard a film like that? Who, where do where would you rate it in your top 
not top 10 but would, would it be in your top anything would it be one of your favourite films films in general in general yeah it seems to be one like we we lived together for a long time it mm. seemed to be one that come up a lot yeah I mean I'd seen it for years and I even watched it earlier this year and I was never that mad about it but my most recent viewing in the last two weeks I enjoyed it so much more than I ever have oh really I don't so, know what it was like compared to like when I watched it in say February that it I suddenly love it now, but yeah, I just, since I was watching it from the perspective of I'm going to be doing a podcast about this, right? Okay. and I broke it down, and I was like, this is a really well put together film. So you weren't actually that mad about it originally? Not mad, For like I remember reason. as a child, I liked Die Hard 3 more, and right. that's definitely flipped since. <laughs> For some reason I remembered it differently as you being a bigger fan, but I guess maybe it was just me. <laughs> I've mm. always been a very big fan of it like I always just appreciated yeah I mean I like Bruce Willis I like John McTiernan I like Moonlighting <laughs> I actually saw the die, all the Die Hard films very late like I was probably like 15, 16 before I saw the first Die Hard mm. uh, I think actually my uh, physics teacher gave me It and Die Hard 2 on VHS to watch because I hadn't <laughs> seen them um, that's a good teacher uh, yeah he's great yeah, like I think my dad might have been the way I saw it first like a uh, Got to give him credit for something anyway in my childhood. <laughs> More about that later. Um, but yeah, like he, I remember the first video he ever rented when we first got a video player when I was, I don't know, six or seven or whatever. And he, he'd rented like Death Wish 3. And I think he would have definitely watched <laughs> I Die Hard. my dad coming back with Death Wish 3 as yeah. well. It's just such an Irish dad thing, I guess. Yeah, and you know, that's, I suppose Die Hard has to give a little bit of credit to films like Death Wish. Yeah. Yeah, listen, and Bruce Willis is in the, the new Death Wish. Oh, he is, Jesus. That Eli Roth directs, I think. Oh, I, I, that's one of those films I just ignored the existence of. Mm, probably sure. that, was, that was this year as well, wasn't it? That came oh, out. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, something tells me I'll, I'll never see that. What age were you when you got a VCR? Ooh. Like, I remember coming home from school and I was in one of those, like, junior infants or whatever it was, like, because we always have really odd names for our kind of younger yeah. school years. Um, like, I'd say I was six or seven, maybe. Right. But I mean, like, I watched Robocop when I was, you know, that came out in 87. I think I saw that in 88. So I was, I was like five and I watched that three times in one day. Yeah, you see, I don't remember seeing Robocop as a kid, but... I remember having the toy. I remember getting the toys, the action figures, <laughs> and I would have only got them if I asked. I, I had to ask for them yeah. for Christmas or whatever. I mean, it became a children's TV show and things like there was two oh, animated see, shows. I, so yeah, I probably uh, yeah I forgot there was the live action series. Is probably what Could it was be, probably yeah. toys of that. There were toys of that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, oh, that's actually coming back to me now because they had the villain, the melted. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't think what he was called. It was some goofy, anyway. Is he meant to be somebody from the movie, though? Isn't he? No, I don't think so. Oh, right, okay. The only comparison is your man who um, gets covered in toxic waste, and he looks kind of like him, I guess. Pudface or something. He was yeah, called some yeah. stupid name. I wouldn't be a fan of the TV series. No, I can't remember it. Like only now it came back to me yeah. at that. It's just, it's Robocop killing people in inventive ways, like shooting nets or something and they'll fall on people. It's all that kind of crap. Like, yeah, yeah, I must have seen Die Hard quite young. Like, I don't know. It's it's quite a memorable memorable film, though. Like, it's always kind of felt like it's been with me since childhood. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, I saw it late, but I loved it as soon as I saw it. And I, mm. I don't know why uh, it took me so long to see it. Because I, like, I saw Robocop. Even if it was the TV show I'd seen first, I still saw the film fairly young, too. Mm. And I saw Reservoir Dogs. Like, I saw Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and Goodfellas long before I saw Die Hard. Mm-hmm. But Die Hard's on TV every Christmas. Oh, yeah. Like, it was I don't on, know how I went so long without seeing it. It was our channels nonstop. Like, TV3, it was on those ones. It was every month it was on TV3. Yeah. And, like, I was saying to you before we started recording, I was in my mid 20s before i saw die hair tree mm. i don't know how it took that long but uh i'm not sure why the age we watched them is that important but i guess yeah your memory of things you enjoyed as a kid usually affects how, how you think of it as an adult but you were different yeah i i couldn't even tell you specifically why i just think loads of like the plot points in it are incredibly well judged like the things with like him taking his shoes off and having to spend most of the film barefoot like it's it's just a really good little idea like I don't yeah. know how they came up with that like it's like some strange little moment um, the writer had like right, yeah yeah, yeah well that's actually in the book. Sh- that's like taken directly from the book is it yeah, I, I didn't yeah. realise I've never read the book it's funny I read it I think we were you were still living here when I read it Cause is it, it called the no it was was it uh, follow up to else. like a film called The Detective or a book called The, the Detective yeah it's a sequel to The, de- yeah, the Detective yeah. which is the same the Frank Snatch film yes that's it so Snatch actually in his contract for the detective, he actually had that he had to that he got first look at, the, or I think he just had to be in the sequel. <laughs> so they actually had to pay him not to be in it, essentially. Really? Yeah, and he held him to it. The character is older in the book too, though. Yeah. It's and it's his daughter he's going to visit. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, like so, essentially, the, I think he might have got paid more than Bruce Willis <laughs> for not being in a film, which is good man. If, yeah, you can, if you can get those kind of deals. Is that why, because you know, during shooting of Die Hard, Bruce was double jobbing. He was shooting Moonlight during Moonlighting during the day and then shooting Die Hard at night. Oh, really? Suppo- supposedly. That's yeah. the same as Back to the Future with uh, Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. Was, and it's why like they changed loads of that film to take place at night <laughs> to accommodate Michael J. Fox's yeah. schedule. I guess Die Hard would have been, was set at night anyway. And it's mostly inside, but... It works really well for the film. Like, it's just dark. Yeah, yeah. It's got a good bit of mood to it. But yeah, you were sitting with him going without shoes. Yeah, that's right from the book. But yeah, it's a great idea mm. in both. Yeah, I kind of wanted I wanted to give the screenwriter credit for that, but obviously not now because the writer's, you know, Stephen DeSouza. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who's written like a lot of good action films and then directed the Street Fighter movie. Yeah, because the, the film actually, it's funny because now it's been a while since I read it. Well, two or three years anyway. You often see when people talk about it being based on... The novel, oh, sorry, the Nothing Lasts Forever. Couldn't mm. think of the name earlier. Oh, that's one. I think I'd said Nothing Else Matters, which is a Metallica song. But, <laughs> uh, what was I saying there? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, people always talk about how it's like loosely based on the mm. book, which like they clearly just like read a Wikipedia entry. Other than his age and... The ending's different as well, is it? The ending's quite different. The yeah. ending's much darker and stuff. Mm. It's you can kind of get away with that shit in novels but like yeah and then the terrorist group are a terrorist group they're not they don't turn out to be thieves in the novel but <laughs> otherwise like it's pretty and the age uh it's pretty much identical <laughs> or not identical but as as close that books normally are to films if that makes sense yeah yeah well, i'd like, actually yeah, be interested in reading it like he even the stuff with him like crawling through the elevator shafts and all yeah, that, yeah that's all right from the book yeah, I suppose all of those elements have been reused so much throughout all the other films as well. Like, there's like there's always an elevator shaft in some way. 
he doesn't necessarily always climb out into it but like he ends up in an elevator a lot. does he actually well, I in, know he... yeah in most of them anyway like I, th- I think every one of them I've watched because I just to be clear I have not watched the most recent one despite there being an Irish man as a director of it but sure you know oh is it him John Moore yeah yeah is it, it's fun- is it him the <laughs> only Irish director that would be behind a Die Hard movie yeah I'm sad to say <laughs> that, like he's the most uh, highest grossing Irish I, director yeah. by far I mean although Lenny Abramson might catch him eventually but unless and then he starts doing uh, blockbusters yeah which yeah what else did Moore do my favourite film is if his was Behind Enemy Lines the one with Lou oh I forgot Owen Wilson. That. that's like, that's a good yeah, film that's a great film he did the Omen remake as well he did loads of stuff the uh, Omen remake. Of the remix. a lot of remakes yeah sequels. the Omen remake is pretty it's actually alright but I it is, seen it. it's like a shot for shot remake it's one of those yeah. ones where you're like I just don't really get the point of it good job you replicate yeah. the film perfectly but why <laughs> like yeah why bother but I completely forgot he'd done Die Hard 5 mm. like I, yeah I have so I haven't seen the film like everything I know about it is that it's supposedly shitty and the director I've seen the director's business card because I, I work in films so I've been in Panavision in Dublin um, several times and John Moore's business card is on the wall and I can't remember it verbatim but from what I remember it says something like John Moore great director complete arsehole and that's his own business card his own bit yeah it's like a complete arsehole or prick or something like I have a picture of it on an old phone just because it was funny the first time I saw it so you can imagine he's a bit of a character yeah send me that picture I'll pull it up as I, I was thinking about digging out my old phone yeah. to try and find it like, oh you don't have it right if you do have it, send me it. I totally will, yeah. Um, I was thinking. I was actually thinking about ringing Panavision today and being like, oh, how, are, how are things? Oh, what's, what's the crack? Uh, come here, you slept that business card on the wall in the kitchen. But I, I didn't. I imagine they do, though. Yeah. But yeah, it might be a bit much to ring. I, I haven't talked to Panavision in years. Like, Really? How? I just, the cameraman I work with um, primarily has his own gear, so I just... Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I do Panavision. Whenever I, we did that film with Dave, that short film, uh, for Sarah. Tom, no, uh, no uh, Tom Rowley's seminal short film that I don't think has been released yet. Oh, these books. These books, yeah, which is really great. It's one of my favorite shorts I've ever worked on. Yeah, I, but yeah, you know he's back actually. Yeah, he is. I I saw his post on Facebook about being in the Bernard Shaw, but I I saw it like at eleven o'clock or something. Right. Um, Die Hard Five. Like, I watched. I definitely started watching it. Like, I remember going online and like downloading it but don't remember anything from the film like I think that says it all is it one of those like it's like I can I think elements of Die Hard 4 are so bad that they're quite memorable but yeah like I maybe have, Die Hard 5 is just fucking boring like I have a vague memory of there being like just a really bad CG they fall through the, oh I have seen the bit that's in the trailer where they fall through like glass floors or something in a building that looked yeah. pretty dodgy yeah and I, th- I remember there being just a weird scene where I think some, like, at one point Bruce Willis, like, leaves his car mid-traffic and yeah. nobody seems to mind and it just looks really weird. Like, that's the... <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but they're the only things I remember from the film. Yeah, like, I mean, things like that are kind of signs of how much that the series has progressed. Like, it starts off as fairly grounded action stuff, like, with loads of tension, you know. Stuff like when he's hanging from the vent or hanging from the elevator with his, with his gun... Yeah, and you're just waiting for it. Yeah, like you see the strap. Loose that's all. It's all really innovative, and there's great tension there. And then it, it evolves to him crashing a hell, a 
cop car into a helicopter and being shot at by a fucking was well, like an F twenty two Raptor or something. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, not for the best. He becomes a superhero. Yeah, like um, I mean, he started as like a like the, the character's so grounded. It's like it's a cop who's having difficulties in his relationship and you know drinks a bit. Like he's such a down to earth, relatable yeah, yeah. character that it's like he was. I suppose he was. Was he kind of like an anti anti action star? Of, of the time, because like you had your Arnie's and your Schwarzenegger's. Yeah, he, he was Arnie, Arnie's sense. and your Schwarzenegger's. <laughs> this thing, I, I meant Stallone's. Yeah, he wasn't because he was like I mean, he's a handsome man. Uh, he's got, a, I guess, he's fucking got a good physique in Die Hard. I can't really remember, even though I watched it last kind night. Of, but, I mean, ish. But he's I guess not like eighties dad bod pretty decent for that but yeah he's not like he's not a juiced up larger than life character no nothing like it yeah and even and I guess like the fact that even though he has hair and die hard but like <laughs> it's, it's still receding like he's yeah he's more of an everyman yeah like watching him like this there's, there's a good sense of surprise to seeing him like diving off a roof with a fire hose wrapped around him like and you know Schwarzenegger would have just been holding onto it and screaming yeah, and it would have yeah. you know it would have it's more comical like it's more of a it's a more die hard's a more gritty yeah, action film compared absolutely. to the theaters of the year like and i think even like actually do do they mention his what rank he is within the police force oh in the first one um i think he's officer right. john mclean like he's he's either officer or detective at that point because that changes a few times yeah I well think. i assume he gets a promotion based on yeah probably <laughs> gets a demotion as well well yeah he's killed a lot of people <laughs> i'm surprised he's still on the police force like uh, there must be a um, like a body count for John McLean, but it's it could be heading for a hundred now. Seventy three is his total. Seventy three. I thought it could have been more. Uh, well, now it is according to this. I, I yeah. don't know. It's the, the fandom website. Yeah. I can see why how a character would be quite jaded after killing seventy three men. Yeah. It's like you know. Oh, here's another one I have to kill. It's it's fine. Like. Yeah, he'd be having flashbacks to it at this point. Yeah, they're doing another one. It's called McLean, so maybe it could go down that avenue. Like he's got post traumatic stress disorder. Is this the... Remember a few years back, there was some screenwriter who... I don't know if it was leaked or he just put it up, but his treatment for Die Hard 5, before Die Hard 5 came out, and it was like two... It was two movies, essentially, two timelines. Oh, I think that's what they might be doing now. Oh, Because okay. there was... I mean, I don't think anything's confirmed for it. Um, it's, it's all... Everything is rumoured, as far as I could see from details of it but yeah I think there was t- discussions of it being young John McLean and old John McLean featuring as well like so I, I don't know if you're going to go sci-fi with it it'll be like or alternate <laughs> dimensions if anyone's seen uh, Into the, the new Spider-Man film oh I haven't seen that yet but yeah. is maybe it, they're going that route there'll just be a load of John McLean's interacting and one of them happens <laughs> to be a, a Warner Brothers pig character <laughs> is it good do you like it's great it's really yeah. good it's, I've look, heard it's, so, such a good thing yeah, I'd, I'd, pro- I'll probably it. go see it I'll wait till I go back for Christmas. I might go Christmas Eve or something yeah. for Stephen's Day. That's cool. Yeah, no, the the treatment that I had seen was that so it's it's John McClane as a young man, like pre pre Die Hard, mm. and do it as a period film. I wonder, or I guess. Oh yeah, you doubt? Yeah, seventies John McClane, early early eighties seventies could be kind of cool. And I think they were doing it like so. It's but it's like him hunting a serial killer, which okay. seems very un Die Hard. That's, yeah, why like, would his character be doing that? Like he was presumably an officer or something, unless yeah, or maybe not. He's maybe not him hunting it, but just part of the investigation. I suppose every film is just him getting embroiled in some situation that's nothing to do with him. Like it's the, constantly the 
Yeah. Wrong man, wrong place, wrong time. Like, I mean, they usually mention that in every film. Well, you see what, how this was going to work. So you have the young, him as a young man with mm. the whole serial killer timeline. But then the modern timeline is that he ends up having been uh, caught as the serial killer. That he was. Really? And he's in prison. <laughs> and there's a riot in the prison. And that's like where it goes all diehard. So it was going to be like this weird a thriller. I'm pro- I'm not even explaining that properly. I guess, but yeah. it's it's that's loosely what I remember the treatment being. It's that's pretty crazy. It wasn't. Um, oh, your man. That um, actually, I think you hate him. He's a director's son. Max Landis. Yeah, Max Landis. As, it as wasn't soon Max as Landis, you said it? you hate him, I was like, yeah. well, it's Max Landis. <laughs> I really like some of Max Landis's stuff. Um, films, not so much, but I, I I like some of his diatribes he's done. Some of them are. It does, sa- yeah. It does sound like the type of sub- subversion of a genre that he would, yeah. do. But I don't think it was him. I think it was an older. Oh, I'm gonna Google it really quickly. Jeez, I'm glad we don't have the one Google rule on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just gonna Google Die Hard Prison Treatment, and that should give me. I I know all of the Die Hard films have been based on something pre-existing. I think I have all of them. I, don't, I can't remember if three or five are. But. This is just funny. I thought I googled Die Hard Prison Treatment, thinking I get the treatment for the Die Hard film set in prison. First result is Die Hard director John McTiernan speaks of his treatment in prison. Ah, oh, <laughs> poor John McTiernan. I'm pretty sure, like, is the the version I described is loosely what I remember reading. Anyway, it's certainly him being in prison. And a riot taking place. Yeah, I just keep thinking of Story of Ricky or that um, Vince Vaughn film that came out this year that apparently is really good. Oh, yeah. Um, Story of Ricky is amazing. Have you seen Story of Ricky? I've seen clips from it. Oh, that's what we're watching. <laughs> the, the entire thing's mental. I mean, it's an Asian action film, martial arts action film, where at one point this the hero stuffs a giant man into a meat grinder and they continue to fight while the man is being... Yeah fed through the meat grinder that's and that's the entire film is like that it's amazing I think I saw it on Blizzard of Odd back in the day yeah probably but I don't think Die Hard needs to do a prison film like it's it's an interesting idea but it's like one of those ones you you, you pick some little element of but I wouldn't be yeah. doing that you see, I, kind of, I don't think it really fits as a Die Hard film it's a good idea for a separate film but it kind of only works if it's a, a hero you're familiar with as well mm. if he's if I don't know. I'd rather see that as like I don't know, Commando, a, a new Commando or something. Where Arnie and I don't know. It's it just seems like John McClane wouldn't yeah. be able to fight off an entire prison. I'm not sure how he survives that scenario. You know. I suppose he did kill a lot of trained German terrorists, and he's you know he's got a history of overcoming the yeah. odds for sure. Like yeah. Also, I feel like I've kind of already seen the film in season two of Daredevil when the Punisher <laughs> is in prison. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I'd expect the film to be. I can do whatever like I, I'm i probably not going to go and see it I'm going to be honest like <laughs> like unless unless you got John McTiernan back just for the sake of it and give him a, a chance but apparently Len Wiseman who directed um, Live Free or Die Hard Die Hard 4 he's supposedly coming back okay I mean like I haven't liked him as a director I mean he did the Underworld films and that dire uh, Total Recall remake so like his track record is bad so when I went to rewatch this Die Hard 4 
I was really pleasantly surprised. It's actually it's an okay film. Like I think it might be the one good film he's Len Wiseman has done. Yeah, yeah. I I don't remember it being awful at all. I don't remember much about it either, though. So like it's very like it came in came out in two thousand and seven, and it's really of that time. It's like that mm. that post Matrix era where everything looked kind of a particular way. Everything was very contrasty and yeah, yeah. awkward coloured lighting at times, and just you know. It's not the best era of filmmaking aesthetically. I still think like the early nineties was kind of where they nailed it. Like films yeah. looked their best during Terminator Two era. For me. I I do just remember it being kind of like the Expendables. My problem with that, where like they're in on the joke and they're referencing yeah. it. Like this the scene you mentioned earlier, where he whatever he does, where he takes on a helicopter with his car. Yeah, he drives down a tunnel and crashes it into a barrier. It flips up and hits the helicopter. Yeah. and the guy jumps out of the helicopter, lands on a car. Then they have a fight later on. And that's already ridiculous enough. It's so yeah. over the top. It's it's like a, a he's a superhero at that point. But then to me, it make what makes it even worse is that is it Justin Long who is Justin Long's his hacker sidekick. Yeah, and he turns around and he says, "You just killed a helicopter with a car." And Bruce Willis says, "Yeah, it was all out of bullets." So yeah. it calls way too much attention to like the badassery or whatever yeah like I think Willis supposedly uh, improved a lot of the lines his little catchphrases during the first film but I think that kind of drops off and they started writing those lines from pretty heavily yeah. as the series progresses because it doesn't feel as natural I think he form. actually um, claims to have improvised those lines I don't think they actually yeah supposedly them. the scripts are pretty much like the dialogue verbatim so maybe it's I, I so I got a copy of a, one of the second draft it's dated like November 2nd 1986 I think or 87 sorry mm. and there's two lines in it that Bruce Willis claims to have improvised <laughs> on the day so well, the main one being yippee ki motherfucker uh, there's what was there there's some debate between him and John McTiernan that it was like yippee yay or there's some other version of it uh, Willis won out and you know oh, history okay. has proved him correct that's I don't know look that's IMDB trivia because <laughs> obviously I went there and to Wikipedia where you get all your good information why do anything else <laughs> but I do, I do think like I was trying to pick out where Die Hard jumped the shark and it's it's hard to pinpoint it because it does amp up a little bit film by film like the first film is pretty grounded like there's a real sense of danger to every everything he's doing like it's yeah you know, palpable sense that a man is about to die but then in Die Hard 2 like there's the um, there's a scene where he he ends up on the plane with the South American um, general and he's he goes into the cockpit to get away from the bad guys and they start throwing grenades in on him and they're grenades with I don't know about 25 second fuses on them um, but he, he discovers the ejector seat and, you know, as he, he hops into the ejector seat and goes flying up through the, yeah. the roof of the plane and it explodes beneath him, like, that felt like the moment where his diehard just kind of went, ah, fuck it. <laughs> just just go for it. We got money, bitches. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. That... And then it just, like, it ends up in Die Hard 4 where it's, you know, he's being attacked by fucking uh, jump jets and yeah. shooting up motorways and stuff. Like, it's, it's a different film. Yeah, and I think, like, with Die Hard 4... Not that I, I don't want to spend more time talking about the sequels than the first one, but I think as well that my problem with Die Hard 4 is kind of like the problem I have with some superhero films where it's like, this is way too big for him. Mm. Like, that should that that's a job for, like, Iron Man, not for John McClane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. The scale of it has gone to a Marvel level. Like. Which was, and, like, that's how I felt with, uh, like, The Dark Knight Rises, 
Like John McClane should just be like, yeah, fighting off twelve guys in a building complex. Like that's kind of the magic of the first film. Like it is quite contained. Like I think it's probably written in quite a clever way in terms of setting. Like there's very little exterior stuff in it. Most of it's just on floors of a building. But like they use the building really well. Like there's a point yeah. in it where um somebody explains that a few of the floors are still under construction. Yeah. That's a pretty handy set. It's going to be bare. Go in there, knock down some plasterboard and stuff. Brilliant. Like there's, all the set pieces are based around plausible things for the building that yeah, yeah. are well linked to the plot. Like it's, that's why I think I loved it so much this time. Just everything comes together really nicely. Yeah, yeah. And it's set, yeah. And everything's set up. Like, yeah, because that, that line, it's a, like, it's when McLean first meets your man, the, the Japanese guy that Gruber shoots. Can't remember his name. Um, oh Jesus, yeah. Like I think it's it might actually be a made up Japanese name. I'm not even sure it's a real one. <laughs> but yeah, it's when he like first comes to the party and he's like, "Nice place you got here." It's before he's even met Holly. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Oh yeah, it will be." There's still some rooms yeah. on the top under construction. I it's, see. it's a throwaway line, but like every time there's a throwaway line like that with some sort of detail, it will come back into it eventually. Yeah. Like, but even like, <laughs> the, like the barefoot thing as well. Like, is that in the? Did you say that was in the book? Yeah, that's that's yeah. right. From like, that's the, great. They make such good use of it throughout the film. Like, there is that moment where he sees his shoes across the hall. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's set up so much better in the film because mm. it begins with the... Uh, when he's on the plane and the guy gives him that piece of advice about making <laughs> yeah, yeah. fists with your feet. And then you see him do it. He's barefoot on the carpet doing it. He's like, oh my God, it does work. He did, he goes like, oh, God damn, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, I wasn't sure if that was an acknowledgement of it working or it's just like goddamn asshole on the plane t- talking nonsense oh I think it worked I think, I think that was yeah. the reaction but I, yeah like the fact that there's so much focus on his feet prior yeah. to that's how you're introduced to the character is his uh, the person sitting next to him talking about yeah, how yeah. to get over jet lag it's yeah it's, it's all really good fun writing yeah what I like about that opening too when we see uh, sort of John arrive as the uh, sort of the weary traveller mm. like you know he's he gets that advice from the stranger that's kind of a, a Christmas tro- a trope from Christmas stories too the whole thing of a, a you know the, the coming tired, home for Christmas coming home from yeah. Christmas and being you know tired you know he's jet lagged and stuff the weary yeah. traveller is a, a trope mm. and like it, I like that that the first thing we see of him is you know he gets that advice and then he pulls down the uh, giant teddy bear the Christmas gift and <laughs> uh, and then I really like that uh, <laughs> this Jordis oh flirts with I him? fucks him <laughs> like and oh he... yeah the, there's that bit of that in the first two films the the woman at the reception in Die Hard two I think mm. tries to get off with him he acknowledges it. it it seems like he wouldn't he'd never do anything but he likes the yeah yeah he likes the attention but yeah, like he's yeah. not gonna act on it like it it makes him yeah there's that roguish kind of vibe to his character then like that's it's really good for him one of my favorite moments of the film and i'll get back to what i was getting at before but uh the first time when he's on the roof for the first time and the boys come out and they shoot at him and he gets back into the building and he's in like the uh i don't know what you'd call it but that kind of the corridor the workers corridor kind of inside where there's like the nude picture oh yeah yeah it's like yeah i can't know what you call those but i love the moment when he gets inside he's service corridors service corridors probably yeah yeah. i don't know if that's what they're called but everybody would know what you mean when you say it um he's running for his life it's also the name of a nightclub in amsterdam (laughs) (laughs) but he's running for his life and when he's running by he spots he like 
he just like does a turn and just looks at the poster as he's running. <laughs> he says thanks girls or something, doesn't he? That's later, like oh, when yeah, he comes yeah. back the to it. But like I love the first moment he sees he just spots it and he's looking as he's running for his life. Yeah. And then yeah, later he passes it again and goes, thanks girls. Yeah, just so he kind of he, he I assume he uses kind of orientate himself because he comes out of a different entry point into that, that room. Yeah. And yeah. then he kind of goes, Ah, here I am like it's yeah. it's a good way to kind of get a sense of the geography for the, the whole thing like it's you know all those things it's very well thought out like it's not just I'm here I'm here I'm here it's like him retracing his steps at times and crossing over like and yeah, yeah. The, the other films don't have that as much so I was saying with, uh, like following tropes of Christmas films and I was saying I was putting that out there to see how you would react to it because like when you say that some people will uh, just stop you straight away and, uh, and say uh, what do you mean Christmas movie. Why are you bringing up Christmas when talking about Die Hard? But uh, you didn't react. You didn't bite. So I guess that means you uh, are okay with it being considered a Christmas movie. I don't care. <laughs> like I, I, it it annoys me when people like say, "Oh, my favorite Christmas film is Die Hard," <laughs> and think they're great for it. I'm like. Ah, who gives a shit? Like, I, it doesn't I, matter. Yeah, no, I hate that shit because when people say that, I know they're just saying it to be the contrarian. Like yeah. they're just saying it to get a reaction or to seem quirky. Uh, yeah, that, like that's kind of it. Like yeah. I, I don't mind it. Fuck it. Like it's, but it's a film that doesn't rely on Christmas. Like it's not. It doesn't need it. Like it's. It, it transcends all the nonsense of Christmas. It's a, just an awesome action film that happens to be at Christmas. It doesn't play into it's, it. It's more important than Christmas, really. I prefer to Christmas. I mean, like, I don't like Christmas that much. It's not one of my favorite holidays. Like, I prefer Halloween because, like, it's usually an excuse to watch like scary movies nonstop for a month. Yeah, um, Christmas just means I watch a lot of films, but then unfortunately, I end up watching Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, and then I don't watch a film again for seven <laughs> weeks. So, fuck it. You so. just like change jobs. You decide you don't even want to work in film anymore. Like, I, Jesus, now you say it. I think that is a time when I was considering leaving the film business. Was after watching. Might be coincidental, but I did have I did do a job that wasn't a particularly happy experience for me, and then that Christmas or after that I was oh, thinking I, about leaving film. I actually remember having a conversation with you about this. Yeah, uh, I know yeah. exactly the sure what you're you did, referring like. to. Well, I I do get that vibe every year at Christmas anyway, because <laughs> it's like I now there's no work and I don't know what's happening for the next twelve months. That's the thing. Like I, I have no like, job. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I get like seasonal depression, and I imagine that's much worse when you work in a in an industry that shuts down during that season. Yeah, because I listened to a conversation last night between three people uh, complaining about like, oh, geez, I've only got a three year contract, and I I laughed and I was like, yeah, I generally have a five week contract. Yeah, like, that's if I'm lucky, like that's a big job is getting five weeks consistent work. But yeah, yeah that's the thing yeah because you get well paid when you are working people think it like it's great it's okay like i mean i break down my my wages on an hourly basis it's not that good really yeah it's a bit disappointing like it's we work 50 hour weeks so that helps like your standard week is 40 hours yeah i do want three cars but that's more because i'm an <laughs> idiot and i just can't seem to sell them you, you haven't sold you I... it's on the market you've seen it you've seen the ads so look if anyone out there is looking for a a zero four Toyota Celica and VBTI uh, new NCT really drives like new Johnny. I'm telling you, we should you make, look this one up on True Car. We should it'll try and charge you two grand for, for it. A, do you want to like a 
do a, a sponsored by sort of ad <laughs> at the start of the thing. Sponsored by Richie's car habits. <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by... What? what uh, rich car? I, I think we, we should try and like come up with an ad to put at the start of this. Like I was thinking of doing like a really over dramatic um, video about it. Like a like first you it's like a shot of the hills, and you just you hear the sound of a roaring engine, and then my car drives into shot, and nice. then it just picked, you know nice. there's a bit of a voiceover. Like Canyonero. More pretentious. Like there's loads of videos. So um, black and white. For in parts, yeah, but then nice. you got to highlight that red as well, like like yeah. do a Schindler's List on it. It's the it's, oh, the, it's the right color and all. That's a good idea, Johnny. And there's there's five million tutorials on how to do that effect. Like, <laughs> I so love if you've got a woman with a red dress. <laughs> I just love do this. the idea of doing the sponsored ad at the start of this because it'll be fifty minutes into the episode before <laughs> <laughs> before the joke. Okay, is that's explained. yeah, <laughs> that's good writing. But I just like the idea of starting a, an online campaign through a podcast to sell your car. <laughs> sell a lad's so. car. Like, I mean, realistically, I'm going to sell it for like a grand. It's not like this is a fucking huge campaign for something important. It's it's, it's Richie's car. But guys, if anybody does want to buy it, this, like, technically this is a piece of, like, disaster artist's memorabilia as well. And it's also been featured in several films and TV series. But so, so that was a tangent, but that was an important tangent because you need to sell that car. <laughs> so you accept Die Hard is a Christmas movie or can be a Christmas movie, but it being people talking about it being their favourite one is just ridiculous. Yeah, it just yeah. It kind of doesn't matter. Like uh, It certainly doesn't matter. It, yeah, like I think it almost lessens the film by trying to stick it into that bracket. Like it's see, better than that. That's the thing. You see, well, my thing is a Christmas movie. Like I fucking love a Muppets Christmas Carol. That's my favorite Christmas movie. There is no way I could watch that any other time of the year. It'd just feel weird. What? Like imagine sitting down. That's a good point. Yeah. In in the middle of summer, it's July, and you're watching Muppets Christmas Carol. But yeah, Die Hard is a film for all seasons. What, yeah, it doesn't I matter. Think that, maybe that defines what it really is. I think so. Uh, I still do think Die Hard can be a Christmas movie. Like I, but more so because I like arguing. <laughs> and, and most people most people mo- most people want to argue against the point so I think it's more fun to argue why it's a Christmas movie yeah so I, and I can argue for hours about why it is <laughs> like what it is is one of the greatest action films of the 80s like yeah or what, what was it? Bruce Willis said when he at, like I think the com- the Bruce Willis comedy roast where yeah I haven't seen that have you ever watched comedy the like Comedy Central comedy roasts? One or two. Yes, yeah, so you know the way it's usually like, they get the piss taken out of them and yeah. then at the end they yeah, get like their piece. For his, he just the only thing he said he was like the only thing he wanted to acknowledge is one point that had been bugging him for like thirty years and then he just shouts, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's a goddamn Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> Which is Bruce a, Willis is more important than Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That's what's uh, the true spirit of yeah. December. And he said a few other things. I think, yeah, he started out where like people people are saying, "I just want to do this because the last guy that done it became president," <laughs> and it's Donald Trump. And he's like, "Why the hell would I want to be president when I'm already Bruce Willis?" Like the whole thing was just about how great <laughs> Bruce Willis is. I like that. He had a good writer, but like beyond Bruce Willis, like it has a really good cast. Like of the series, it definitely has the best bad guy. Like Hans oh. Gruber, like, it is just—it's one of Alan Rickman's definitive performances. And his first, his film, first, yeah, his first which, film outside of the UK. Like he'd done like UK stage and some UK TV, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
for somebody who may have never been on a feature film before, like it's such an assured performance. Mm. Like he he makes the film. Like I mean, it's it's a classic thing. Like you can't have a great protagonist without a great antagonist. And like there you go. You've got yeah. Rickman and Willis. It's perfect. He's so good. I can't believe he wasn't in a feature film beforehand. And obviously yeah. it was out of choice that he just was happy. Like he's a thespian actor. He just wanted to mm. to work the stage. He's a clever guy. Though. Like I mean, the, his role in Galaxy Quest like is a is a perfect yeah. play on that. Like Rickman's amazing, and then it's got uh, one part of his his team is that that Asian guy who was in every film in the eighties. I can't think what his name is, but he's like the he's in um, Big Trouble in Little China and loads of action films. Wait, who who is he in Die Hard? He's just one of the members of his team. He's the guy who eats the chocolate bars. Like there's kind of a random moment oh, yeah. where like one of the bad guys is there holding a gun and he just decides to steal some chocolate. Mm. That that guy, um, who yeah. Weird and looking dude, but he's always amazing and everything. You're 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 always a lot better for faces than I am, though. Yeah, like he's not a massive role in it. Like he, but that's why I, I mean, can't think like, how he gets killed. There's so like many conversations where you will tell me, "Oh, that's the guy from this," and I'm like, this is like, like he served somebody coffee in Pulp Fiction," and you'll remember yeah, him I mean, from we, another movie. We went on to spar before the, to get beer before this podcast and I there's a guy standing outside and I was like he's in Game of Thrones and I wasn't just being a dick there he was like no, I, yeah, I know him yeah we, we went down to get cans and there was this guy standing outside and when we walked in we was like did you see that guy there and I didn't even say it to you but what I, when I saw him first I was like oh no this guy's gonna ask for change <laughs> but so so you just recognised him from it. it I worked with him I did a short film with him years ago right, right. so I, I knew him through that but um, like have you noticed like I, when I was going through the Die Hard films there's a the whole like tech technology phobe thing that goes on yes like yeah, the, yeah. the first film has like the really the really crude to... touchscreen. it's yeah. a CRT TV with giant names that you press yeah, yeah and he's like oh technology and then that gets progressively worse and that even like I know like obviously I'd noticed that prior but like when watching it last night it's it, the idea of there even being touchscreen technology in 1988 is so weird to me yeah like I think the only time I'd seen potentially seen that in the 80s was those poker machines and pubs like that was advanced yeah, for the time yeah <laughs> all the, the alcoholics using it for like money. management is just yeah it's kind of wonderfully unnecessary as well because I think there's only one floor there is anyone and he knows exactly where it is but it's just like they're being awkward and making him sign in mm. and go who you're you're visiting fuck's sake so actually because uh, I, I didn't I only watched Die Hard 1 what are the moments in the other ones where he... I think the Die Hard 2 one is... It's... Uh, is it more cringy? Maybe. Because it's the way that they um, they get his um, his cop friend from the first one, like the guy he's kind of coordinating with. Because um, that's a, that's another thing that's in, in all several oh, of the yeah, films, is the, the, the black sidekick. Yeah, yeah. That's a thing for the first three films. But Some would say that's like the guardian angel trope from uh, Christmas movies where the hero always has somebody outside helping them. Yeah. Just, just throwing it out there. Very much so. Sorry, go on. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, in the second film, it's the way they get his, his um, the black cop from the first film in it is he gets the f- fingerprints from the first bad guy he kills and sends, he faxes them to um, oh, yeah, the black cop yeah. and he can't figure out how to use a fax machine like he's yeah. like oh you're putting it upside down you're like it, it doesn't matter the only other one I the only one I can remember is and I don't know why I remember this but I guess just because it's funny in Die Hard 4 when he's with Kevin Smith who I guess is he takes the place as the black sidekick in Die Hard 4 
of sorts. Like, I mean, you've got a couple of hackers in there that are kind of like it's. I need the black though. Um, just a couple of black cops in it. Like, <laughs> it's it's almost like a strange film in terms of like there was usually like a, a notable black presence. Yeah. You know, it's like there is that Asian woman that he beats that Bruce Willis beats <laughs> the fuck out of. So it's a, it's another example of them moving away from what Die Hard should be. Yeah. But no, as far as him being a tech phobe, I remember that scene where uh, uh, Ollie Fantastic is or Timothy Oliphant is talking to them on. A webcam Skype <laughs> yeah, yeah there's just like kind of a crude webcam and a Bruce, motorized one though Bruce Willis puts his hand in front of the webcam to yeah. talk to Kevin and Tim T. Olfen's like you know covering the camera doesn't cover the mic or whatever yeah it's pre- oh no it's pretty much that yeah yet he still he explains the plan and then they carry out the plan while Bruce Willis <laughs> is like talking to Timmy Oliphant and you know Oliphant's supposed to be smarter than that but he isn't he's being duped into this bullshit by mm. this you know street cop it's pretty funny but like yeah the, the fourth film I can't think of anything significant in the third film in terms of that but the fourth film is like it's you know Bruce Willis versus the internet kind of it's like oh there's, there's hackers <laughs> and everything's linked and it's here's Bruce Willis because <laughs> like the fourth film is based on I want to say like a Time Magazine article yeah like yeah. at least the other films were based on books or scripts that were like pre-existing and they they shoehorned him into a, into them but it's like it's an it's an article like but like how I never understood that what like it was an article written about I'm like maybe it was about the fire sale aspect of it where it's like yeah. people taking down the levels of um, society just using you know shutting down power plants or whatever it's so weird to me though to see a film like the only other movie I've seen that like ends with like based on the article by I think is Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> but that was also like that was a true story so I think that was just like yeah I've actually I've seen a few films that have had to do that so just to get the rights they buy it from the publication who printed the article versus going to the family or whatever yeah I'm like I'm not sure how that works it's a, yeah. it's a strange one Rob would be the one to ask there. <laughs> but with Die Hard I'm not sure why they need to like credit it as being based off an yeah, article it's, it's very unusual I mean like the terms were probably already there like unless it coined a bunch of the phrases like fire sale but I'd say the the Maybe. hacker scene would have done that itself it's yeah it's a, it's a funny old film yeah but yeah it is the, the webcam scene is kind of it's, it's a bit cringe but yeah. I, I think at some point like Timothy Oliphant says something to him it's like oh you're a Timex watch in the digital age like they did it more subtly it's like Bruce Willis has a moment with a computer in the other films and then suddenly it's a guy telling him it it's like yeah, oh yeah. you know we can infer that from watching a guy tap at a screen or not be able to use yeah. a mobile phone we don't but need Timothy often again that delivering dialogue that goes back to what I was saying about the you just killed a helicopter with a car it's <laughs> like you don't need to say that if we've just seen it like yeah like it's an excuse for Bruce Willis to have a comeback but it's in terms of the later films it's never going to be a good comeback yeah is it? yeah god it, it just, even talking about it it seems like such a different film yeah. have you ever seen a hostage with Bruce Willis I don't think I have I remember seeing that and thinking like, oh, this is Die Hard 4. And it was like a good Die Hard 4. <laughs> um, it's just a Bruce Willis action movie, but it plays like... Um, maybe, and maybe it's not actually as good as I remember, but it plays like a much better Die Hard sequel than the Die Hard sequels that we've gotten in the last 20 years. Yeah, that, that's interesting. But I suppose like there were so many similar films that came around came out in the in the wake of Die Hard like I mean Speed is 
like there's a lot of similar aspects to it. I mean, yeah. the cinematographer from Die Hard became the director of Speed, and like stylistically, like you can you can see similarities, yeah, yeah. like the kind of underdog cop <laughs> and the setting isn't you know it's kind of one location ish. One of uh, the things I really like about why why I really like Bruce Willis is uh, when he was I think he was on the Daily Show when Hostage was like being released. He was there to promote that and like, you know, he did the normal interview and at the end of it, John Stewart was like, oh, so you've got this new movie coming out and they've done the normal pitch thing and Bruce was like, yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. It's a, a three stars. It's a good, it's a good three star movie. <laughs> so I fucking love that. Although for, you know, the last 15 years, like three stars is a really good Bruce Willis film. Like that's three a return stars to form. Is, I will go see a three star movie. Yeah. Definitely. But, what actor is going to actually be honest and say it's a three star movie? Uh, it's, uh, man, and it doesn't is, give it's a fuck. A complete, like, at best, it's, a, it's probably two and a half. But, yeah. like. Like, I'm not surprised. Like, you see Bruce Willis now and you just, you can tell he doesn't really care. Like, no. he, he's beyond that. He's he's done it all. It's fine. But, like, I was thinking of trying to create a chart, um, <laughs> gra- graphing how much of a a fuck Bruce Willis gives in his performance in a Die Hard film with how much hair he has and like I've I was legitimately going to do this except I, I did run out of time but it does tail off almost exactly when he loses all his hair because it, like it goes from the first film like most of like you can see he's probably receding you can see second he's one, going to go yeah. bald but he's still got a head of hair like. second one a little bit more third film seven years on from the first so like it's, he's clearly gone but then yeah. in the fourth one he's bald yeah, yeah like I mean they make a point of mentioning it like I mean, I think you should still pursue that. You could do a TED Talk. <laughs> TED Talk on Bruce Willis's hair. Like, I could track it over all of his film career. Because maybe you could, like, then, like, I wonder, is that repeated with other actors? Like, what other actors are there who... Who've gone bald? Hmm. And does um, their performance decline? Was John Malkovich, did he ever have hair? Yeah, I don't think he ever had hair. No. Patrick Stewart had hair at one point, but prior... It seems like it was the opposite for Patrick Stewart. He improved. Yeah. As the hair Does Patrick was. Stewart have hair in um, that Toby Hooper film, um, the English one? I watched it recently. Toby is in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Um, Earth. It was called Space Vampires in pre-production because there are shirts that ex- or jackets oh. that exist with Space Vampires in the back. Um, yeah, another one. I'm gonna Google that. Cause that's gonna annoy me. Ah, fuck! I keep thinking of Earthbound, but that's a SNES game. Um, there's um, Life Force. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Life Force. That's a cool film. I think. Patrick Stewart may have hair in that. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember. remember. For he might actually it, lose his hair in the process of the film. I'm not sure. Oh, that guy's suddenly bald because of all the stressful situations he's been in. So you could, could say that for Bruce Willis as well. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's why this podcast is kind of fall, has fallen apart in recent <laughs> years, like the hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that dramatic. Jesus, I was talking more about I could, Shane. Oh, sh- <laughs> no, Shane! I was, I, was no, thinking. I was talking about me. I was going for uh, that was a better joke. But yeah, I like that take. I think you should pursue just doing a, uh, a presentation. It might be. I'll re- relearn PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, like do a really I'll, shit yeah. PowerPoint. I can do it. Yeah, maybe I'll do it a TEDx on it. Like, <laughs> But yeah, he might be the exception to the rule because it does seem like the others actually... Cause, which makes sense. That's why like Patrick Stewart improves with the less hair he has because <laughs> people would compensate with something else. If you lose something that you think is important to you, like, like the way... I suppose like, you emphasize, emphasize the positives and try and hide yeah, the negatives. Yeah, well, it's like how like fat people tend to be the funniest people. That's true. You talked about Home Alone earlier, so you think there's some strong comparisons between that and Die Hard? I think they're essentially the same film, I don't know. I think the only thing that separates mm. 
Die Hard and Home Alone is the kind of weaponry they use to dispatch the teams. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is effectively Die Hard for children. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, like... Because, like, the in, in essence, both films... John McClane's ultimate goal in Die Hard is about just reuniting with his family. Yeah, it's exactly what Kevin McAllister is trying to do in in Home Alone. Which is also why I think they can both be Christmas movies. Christmas movies typically are about, like, family values is the the most recurrent theme in Christmas movies. So that's another reason I think Die Hard does fit into the category. Definitely, yeah. See, I'm just looking for ways to argue. (laughs) Oh, but I love, like, there are so many similarities because, like, there's a strained relationship with the family as well like yeah, he's not yeah. getting on with the significant female presence in his life mm. like his, and then yeah, yeah. she forgets about him there yeah. is no is there any is it Al Powell Powell Sarge, the cop outside oh yeah is it Powell Powell I, I think yeah, it's Powell like, yeah. is there in Home Alone is there any standing for that maybe the old man the, the neighbour so the old man is like he he's scared of the old man initially yeah and then eventually kind of bonds with him in the church so there's like they kind of have moments like that that are similar to like I think when but the we, old man is the one that eventually kind of gives him the advice in the church yeah about, yeah so he 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 fits that sort of guardian angel trope by the end of the film at least definitely yeah but the, yeah, the way he, he talks to him it's like he gives him the advice like you know just to call Call his son. And yeah, there's a there's a little bit of that because there's the moment in Die Hard yeah. where, like, I suppose they use that more in like it, I think it's Die Hard three where he hasn't. I don't think he's talked to um, his wife for like a year or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's like a, a big gap there. I think it's probably Samuel L. Jackson tells him to call her. I'm sure it's someone like that. Yeah, well, in Die Hard one, um, so oh, I said his name, but I forgot it already. The yeah, I guess it's not so much an uh, estrangement for family, but they, they have the whole conversation about how he, he shot a kid. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different scenario, but it's the same, that. like it's the the advice they give each other and help each other along. Mm. It's They're quite similar too. Yeah, like, I, I actually really love in the first Die Hard how all those moments play out over walkie-talkies. Yes. Like there's yes. loads of that between, be it between John McClane and Officer Powell or... The, the guys who come in like the kind of this, the SWAT team lads mm. or um, McLean and Hans Gruber SWAT, like it's so much where it takes place over are hilarious too yeah I think like they use that like that comes back in the other films but like it's it's best use is easily the first film mm. like everything even like the way he ends up with a walkie talkie and everything like yeah it's yeah yeah so it just you mentioned the, the SWAT guys I or the, it's the feds I think I, one of my the feds yeah that sounds right favorite parts is when they're they're like in the helicopter towards the end and one of them's like it's just like back in Saigon <laughs> and there he goes I was in junior high dickhead <laughs> <laughs> that's a shoot. that's a good moment but that, that comes up a few times like somebody in who is it it's like the old guy who's like the maintenance guy like talks about how it's you know this is like Korea or something that happens in like yeah. the first three films like there's a character that brings up like oh it's just like Vietnam it's like the fuck? Just um, like that's not it's not like Yippie Kaye motherfucker that's not like the thing that people remember the films for like <laughs> yeah, were, yeah, remember yeah. that guy who talked about being in Vietnam actually um, can you remember the poster or the DVD cover for Die Hard was it the same as the the cinema release where it's like the building and yeah yeah McLean's head I can't um, remember many details of it like just the basic layout well it's just funny because uh, I saw it the other day like when I was looking for the download I guess and it looks eerily like, because like 
whatever way it's lit, it looks like it's two towers as opposed to one, and it just oh, and it's a shot of like there's a, there's a helicopter like crashing into it. Or it just it it really? hasn't it hasn't aged well basically. Okay. <laughs> Uh, never forget I'd, I'd wonder if they uh, still use that image for the like, I've seen variations of it since like definitely different colour schemes and like it's kind of a similar style but yeah I'd say it might be, might be it's probably been long different. enough now that it doesn't matter but yeah I mean I'd never noticed that before but you know I don't have a diehard poster on my wall what do you think of Hans Gruber's accent so uh, not not his uh, main accent when he does the American accent yes that's that's quite comical <laughs> It's am- and it's amazing how uh, they reference how good it is in the film, like where yeah, Bruce like, Willis I- is like, "You should have been on TV with that fucking accent." <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, like it's I mean, because Jeremy Irons does something similar in the third film, like he's Gruber's brother and he starts speaking, he starts pretending to be like an American uh, contractor or something to fix the whatever oh, explosion there was. Big like, memory of that. It's been so long since I've seen Tree. Yeah, he does a similar thing. It's it's weird that they brought that one back as well. It's like oh, the, like the, the brothers are the same, except like Rickman's good and Jeremy Irons isn't that good. Yeah, and it's also weird because we already had like even in the first Die Hard movie, we have the the brother seeking revenge plot. Yeah. Oh, sorry, which? In in the first like because Die Hard. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, the two brothers. I forget about those guys. Yeah, the guys, the Aryan the, looking the, motherfuckers. The Charlie Day copies in the <laughs> Little Weapon sequel that they make. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that reminds me of something I'll I'll bring up later on. But you you told me something prior to recording, or is this a good time to bring up the? Uh, yeah, no, that's it's perfect. Like it's yeah in the in the original version, the English version, the obviously they're German terrorists, even though they don't, they think they he doesn't describe himself as a terrorist that's just like a kind of a ploy yeah but, yeah I think he even mentions like whoever said we were terrorists yeah but. that's it but in the the Germans are quite sensitive about how they're perceived obviously like given their history of the wars yeah. and everything but yeah in the German language version the terrorists are Irish so it's very relevant to us it's like 1988 it, IRA era it makes yeah. perfect in, in fact like Let's be honest, it's probably more, it's probably more realistic. <laughs> probably is. like I, Maybe not in America, but if Die Hard was set in England, it would have definitely have been IRA members. Yeah, like a part of me really wants to find the German version of it now. Like, it might be on the DVD, I might already have it. And like, do the, is there some German actors trying to do Irish accents in the film? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really interested. Well, it's interesting too, because when he... Uh, gives the police his demands when he's still like going under the the guise that they're mm. terrorists his first demand is the in northern ireland to free the seven members of the new provo front yeah so i wonder then in the german version how is that switched out for something else it could be like it's more like a unity thing between terrorist groups like he kind of lists several yeah countries. he lists a french group and that yeah um, it might just be exactly the same yeah it probably yeah, is because but... But I think this whole thing with the Irish terrorists caused continuity problems. So if you're German, if you watched it, and obviously in the third film, um, it's Hans Gruber's brother, but they don't, they're not Irish in that one. They're Germans, I think. They didn't change Die Hard 3. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of continuity thing that we'd go mad about. Yeah, yeah. Or Germans have to deal with that all the time, every Christmas. Yeah, it's still probably a, a better continuity than the Transformers or X-Men franchise. Uh, yeah, <laughs> although well, they might, they might, there might be time travel in Die Hard Six. We'll see. 
<laughs> or different dimensions like you can do whatever just reboot it through through science I'm amazed no now that I say it surely it will happen but because crossovers and shared universes are a thing and we have the Expendables which is a collection of all the action, action stars mm. I'm surprised they haven't actually had the characters from famous 80s action movies crossover like that you haven't seen John McClane and Rambo in the same film yeah do you think do you think it's a matter of time before they try and pull something like that I think most of the well with the original cast members yeah I think it's beyond that like I it's too late to do it I think so yeah yeah. like although saying that Schwarzenegger is still doing Terminator films Stallone is still doing Rambo films he's doing one at the minute yeah and Willis is still doing Die Hard films so like the longevity is kind of astounding so like they could still probably do it. I like everyone would call them out on it. And just yeah, be like, this is so tragic watching this now. I mean, The Expendables didn't do as well as it could have. If that was a film that came out in the late eighties, early nineties, like it could have been absolutely massive. But as it was, it was kind of like a modestly successful action series. Like it yeah. did well, but like I mean, you know, it wasn't raking in. It didn't make like a billion dollars at the box office or whatever. Nobody really cared. It was a nostalgia thing. Yeah. And like I said, like once they got in on the joke, I just don't think it, 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 it stopped working for me as soon as they... No, like, I mean, this the first film I've never been a fan of. It's fine. I think the second film functions well as an action picture because, like, Simon West directed it who, you know, you give him shit, but, like, he did... I'm pretty sure he did Con Air and he did, like... It's a great movie. Yeah. Like, he, he he's done a few. He did that mechanic remake with Jason Statham and Ben Foster, which shouldn't have worked, but I thought it was really fun. Actually, he, we were talking about like that that treatment for Die Hard that never happened. Mm-hmm. That is essentially Con Air, like it's an airplane. <laughs> but yeah. the idea of it being him against prisoners and he's an innocent man in there. Yeah. Although he's not innocent in Con Air, is he? He's not innocent, right? He he did he, kill a man, didn't he? But yeah, it was yeah. like justifiable homicide. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that is actually I never. Yeah, that's that Die Hard movie, just better. <laughs> Yeah, look, just they can do whatever they want, just rehash things. I mean, I, I don't know anything about the plot of Die Hard Five, but they end up in Russia, and I think his son is imprisoned. Like that sounds like some other film I've seen already. Yeah, I think the son's like working in Russia, and he's there yeah, to he's visit. Like, but by the time he gets there, the son's been yeah charged with yeah. I, can't. I think the son's CIA or something, and obviously, yeah. obviously estranged because you know he can't have a healthy relationship with his family. Like film to film, like it's can chart the breakdown of his relationship with everyone it's yeah for a guy who's so good at like taking down terrorists he, he really sucks at just looking after his family it seems he can save them from terrorists he just yeah. can't like show up to birthdays I mean I've never seen a film in a diehard I've seen in a diehard film where he's gone to a psychiatrist and discussed the fact that he's killed 73 men <laughs> like I say men but he's killed several women as well let's face it Oh, yeah, actually. Die Hard 4, he hits a woman with a car. Yeah. And then is involved in her falling down a lift shaft. And then there's, like... Because remember in Die Hard 3, there's, like, the... Jeremy Irons' is like right-hand woman is this crazy blonde chick. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, pretty, she, I'm sure she dies as yeah. well, so, you know. Yeah, and I'm sure he's, doesn't like... Discriminate. He's killed, like, women and children by proxy. Like, I'm those sure 73 men... Like, a lot of them would have been family men... Yeah, a lot of them would have come from poor, poor countries. Some of them might might have even been forced into working with these terrorist groups. Mm. Like the fact that somebody had gone in and broken down how many people John McClane has killed over the five films, so seventy three, so it's that's nearly fifteen 
people per film. It's a lot, like. Yeah. But some, has somebody gone in and just worked out the collateral damage that he's caused? It's like <laughs> the number of cars he's destroyed, like in buildings. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, oh. the, there is a like the insurance claims and so he bit of bankrupted <laughs> company. There was a, a YouTube series at one point called "What's the Damage," <laughs> where they would. I haven't seen that. I don't know if they're still going, but it used to be uh, pretty regular. Okay, there is an episode in Die Hard <laughs> from 2003. If I'd like to get just a text. Actually, you know, I think it was Cinema Sins. You know Cinema Sins? Oh, yeah, Cinema I, Sins have covered Die Hard several times, I'm sure. But yeah, I think they yeah, used to do a What's the Damage. Yeah. They seem to have stopped, but... Um, I Like, I haven't seen that one. But yeah, I don't really watch Cinema Sins. It's just people pointing out the negative things about films. Yeah, I, I don't like, really... I like the positives, like, celebrate the good things. I used to watch it and I thought it was funny, but it kind of... There's something kind of toxic about the idea of just pointing out. There really is like the bad. Yeah, as entertaining as the bad things might be, you know, don't make it your entire. Yeah, it it just got to a point where, like, I understand doing it for just really bad movies, but mm. taking something like Wolf of Wall Street and just deciding I'm just going to fo- I'm going to go out of my way to find the little bad things here mm. and make a twenty minute video on it. Like, exactly, like twenty minute video. Like that's the key. It's like that's I might as well just watch the film for God's sake and decide for myself. There are actual films though where I did just watch the Cinema Sins version, not mainly because I'm like I'm never going to watch the actual movie, so I'll just watch. I can see that being a good idea. Like for Die Hard Five, it would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't find an actual, um, an exact figure on the collateral damage he's done. Apparently, he's destroyed six hundred and fifty cars. Six fifty. Wow. That seems way too high. But... I don't think that's entirely him, because like there are a lot of people shooting up cars separately. To him. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's must be what they. Yeah, mean. he's destroyed several, but you know, it, I'm pretty sure it's not that many. Oh, actually, one hundred and thirty-two for him. And six hundred and fifty throughout the series. That sounds about right. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Still a lot on him. That's yeah. That's an average of what, like, what like one hundred and thirty cars per film. Is there one where he just there's like an entire action scene that takes place in like a Toyota manufacturing plant or something? What the yeah. fuck? Well, I think in Die Hard Five there might be a big like highway. He, I think he might just mow down a bunch. With, yeah, like, although he he truck he something. does hit the same Mercedes like four times during that sequence. <laughs> like if you've got you know several angles on something in the sequence, oh, that's Die Hard Four, sorry. Yeah, but I think there's a in Die Hard Five. I think they just do that on a bigger scale. Yeah, because that's like set in Eastern Europe, so they probably just went there and just destroyed everyone's cars. Yeah, but they'd all been like communist era cars they probably weren't worth much they're classics now oh true so how do you think you'd fare if if you were to be just die hard one now if you were to put into this situation you're uh visiting your estranged wife on christmas eve um how would i fare well to begin with i wouldn't take my fucking shoes off (laughs) that <laughs> saved me an awful lot of trouble if and you pain. don't know what's about to happen though I mean I like I, I'm a man who likes walking around barefoot at it's home free. though like I, I do it in a hotel but he's not in a hotel he's in his wife's office that's work. true yeah I probably wouldn't do it in an office like he's trying to put his best foot forward like and she's not going to want to smell <laughs> his like, feet I like your phrase and that's good yeah <laughs> yeah okay so that and that would definitely well how much how how different would things be if he was wearing his boots he wouldn't have to pick all that glass out of his feet. Yeah. Like th- that scene where he's picking glass out of his feet, that's actually one of his best performances. 
like in terms of Bruce Willis' performances, like he's really emoting during that. Like, I yeah, mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. I think he's like things at that moment look really down for him, and the potential for him to fail is really high, and he sells it really well. Like his conversation with Powell is is excellent. Like I think that might be where he brings up the shooting the kid thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just like he's up against the window picking it out. Yeah, and he just like, asks him. Yeah, I mean, like it, the whole thing lends itself to one of the best moments in the film. So that might is that one of the biggest lessons to learn? Just not to take don't take your shoes off. Don't take in them a off. Strange environment. That's yeah. It's sound advice for for life in general. And yeah. I, like I think he learns that himself because I can't think of a point in any of the other films where he has his shoes off. Like I thought it's something they would have brought back and he would have had a smart line for it and just put his shoes back on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, oh yeah, I, they don't. They don't do that. Not that I know point. of. Like unless it's in five and they probably do it in a stupid way that everyone cringed at. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go and buy that. I'm gonna buy Die Hard Five on Blu-ray for two euros and watch it and cry <laughs> afterwards. Mostly to see if he you can do a Patreon like sequel where I, I just cry about Die Hard Five <laughs> and tell John John Moore stories. Have you seen? I can't remember the name right now, but the uh, the Rock movie that came out this summer that is just like Die Hard, but. Oh, the tower Japan. tower one. Um, no, it didn't actually. It just it just looked CG it, heavy and disinterested. Is it called like no high rise? That's a different movie. Um, I wanted to say Tower Heist, but I think that's a Ben Stiller movie. I'm gonna go yeah, I really quickly didn't. just it's, because it's bothering me. I heard it was actually it was watchable. I but yeah, I I did suggest it. I have to. I suggested it to my girlfriend, saying, "Oh, we could go and see this." And she's like, "No," but uh, <laughs> like. High Rises it's got a similar title to that I think yeah it's hold on I think we should do a podcast where it's it's literally the entire thing is just two people trying to guess the name of a film <laughs> through various <laughs> details and who was in it we, we can get like four hours out of that like <laughs> become an ASM thing um, Sky Skyscraper there you go yeah I was uh, thinking high, yeah Tower or something but there you go but like that film is essentially or I haven't seen it but it looks like it's just Die Hard but set in Japan and not during Christmas. Yeah. But it seems like how they stepped it up rather than, like, where in Die Hard, one of the biggest obstacles is the fact that he has no shoes. In Skyscraper, it's the fact that he only has one leg. I Yeah, that's, I heard that was the picture. Which has to have been deliberate where they were, that's, it seems like Like, you've got, well, like, if it's The Rock, you're going to have to impede him in some severe way. Yes, because he's, the beauty, like we were saying, the beauty of Die Hard is that he's, like, an average enough guy like I kind of I look forward to the rock film where he loses half his brain from like an explosion and still manages to kill 50 lads <laughs> like it's coming it might just be that Fast and the Furious spin off but yeah again I've only saw the trailer but I remember the trailer of Skyscraper ending with him making an impossible jump from <laughs> like a, I think from either one building to the next or from maybe a fucking something cr- hanging off the side of the building oh, yeah it's going to be a crane or a but either way, it's an impossible jump made so much more impossible by the fact that oh, he's got one leg. <laughs> so it, it might not impede him too much. So it's like a pro-disability action film? They should have marketed it as that, like you get the, the, the entire disability audience yeah. that's on the rise. It's, it's just a load, of, la- load of lads with gout <laughs> going to see a film with rocking it. <laughs> just has gout or he's diabetic I know far more people than I wish they did that who have gout like I'm not even entirely sure what 
gout is. I hear it's it. like a buildup of something unpleasant in your body from eating really rich foods. Apparently, I do have fear sometimes. It's like, do I eat like a like an Edwardian you know, Earl or something like <laughs> just eating shit food all the time? I'm really, really I'm going to get gout. Right. I think they've they have become like solid deposits like in your joints and your muscles or something. It's, it seems grim. Yeah. First time I met someone who had gout, I, I looked at him and was like, oh, "Yeah, that makes sense. I can see. How, <laughs> I can see how that guy has gout." I kind of want to watch Skyscraper because I hope there's no like traumatic backstory to why he has one leg. It's just like he's diabetic, so he got <laughs> removed. And like the only reason he's big and bulky now is that once he lost his leg, he was like, "Well, I, I need to start looking after myself." Not sure you can do that after losing a leg, but yeah, like robotic prosthetic. Uh, limbs like I know apparently arms are quite advanced though I don't know how legs are though They're I've seen yeah I've seen like videos of the arms yeah it's it's crazy how far, far they've come yeah like my girlfriend works for a science firm and she said that somebody was in doing training and she said he legitimately his entire arm was this black robot arm and she said like she saw him like holding things with this robotic arm and I was like holy shit like she was like yeah. I saw Robocop in work today I was like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> just had this big cool black arm it sounded amazing. I looked it up, and like there are, like quite advanced like prostheses like that. So so the so the big key, so far anyway. So don't take your shoes off. That's how mm. one way you survive die hard. Like one thing I can really appreciate that he probably should start doing is carrying a walkie-talkie earpiece with him. <laughs> it's like I I on a film set I'm always on a walkie-talkie. Like it's just it's part of the culture. Like it's how you communicate with everyone because everyone's. I'm off in the camera truck, somebody's on set, blah blah walkie-talkie. Um, he constantly has to carry a walkie around. If he could just put it on his belt, mm. have an earpiece, I think that would save him so much time and hassle. That, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be or tell efficient. whoever he's talking to, just like yeah. download WhatsApp. Like That only really works for the first two films, though, because after that, it's, uh, it's payphones in the third one. That's how he mm. communicates with the bad guy. Fourth one, it's mostly webcams because sure, internet. Go on, that's that's what the kids are doing yeah. these days. <laughs> and the fifth one, I don't care. <laughs> no, no one cares. Like I don't even know if they bothered to do that. I I, I choose to believe they didn't. No, it's like, just himself and his son communicating over glances or something. It seems really unfair because like I don't remember anything from the film. I know I watched it, but I just don't remember it. Yeah. But it from what little like I can like in the deep catacombs of my mind I can pry out some memories from it but it's more so I remember what I thought watching it rather than the actual film and I do remember thinking that well this looks like these guys never watched a Die Hard movie <laughs> so I don't think there's anything like I don't think there's any re- like there's no there's, sta- there's no John versus touch screens there's or- no standing for a walkie talkie I don't think there's oh. anything like that well, there's, there's a family problems presumably there's a family like that's one a strange son but it's not just the son as well. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's back playing his daughter, is she? She's in it, but she's not. She doesn't get kidnapped again or something. I don't think like she's being in a, trouble. No, yeah. I think they. She might be the stand-in for the for the black friend. Like that, maybe he's communicating. <laughs> she with faxes her in something it. to him. And she, I, I, she's like, "Oh, you're still using fax machines, Dad." And he's like, "Damn it! I just learned to use the fax machine. And now it's redundant. What? It's so funny that I I just I've seen the film and I just can't remember anything from it." Which is terrible. Like that's yeah. terrible. That's I'm, go- I'm going to watch it. I'm just really curious to see how shit old. is. That came out what 2014, 15. The maybe? new one. Yeah, I was like this year or last year. Like it's the last twelve months, I think. What? No, it's not. I think it is. No, no, no it couldn't be. 
No, I guess I ignored it when it came out. So, no, I think we were living together. I say that like we were fucking a couple. Um, oh shit, 2013. Yeah, that's yeah. That's really weird. Jesus, it's amazing how how little you time care. time distorts when the film comes out that you don't want to see. <laughs> it's also yeah, it looks like it's the shortest Die Hard film as well. Ah. Uh, how, what, what, what's 140 minutes like pretty much all the other ones are over two hours yeah Die Hard 1's like two hours 15 minutes or yeah, something yeah something like that like it's it's Which lengthy it can't, you kind of feel it's in the third act a little bit yeah it's like but yeah but that yeah you wouldn't see a lot of action movies in the 80s that length although maybe you do it seems like maybe it was in the nineties where films got really short, where there were like ninety minutes. Yeah, I thought. I guess like doing. it was still it was a relatively big action film, even in terms of budget. Like I was surprised when I read it. I don't know. It cost like forty million, which for nineteen eighty eight or eighty six when it was shot, probably like that's a lot of money for a mm. film starring your man from Moonlighting. Yeah, who's as still, good as Moonlighting is. I don't want to. I need to emphasize <laughs> yeah, how yeah. Good, how much I like Moonlighting. I don't think I've ever actually seen Moonlight. It used to be on Friday nights on RT2, I, know, I think. Like, a true reference. I don't think I've ever seen it. It had a great uh, theme. Like, I think it was just some guy's song, but, like, it it had the the title of the show in the song, so you know it was great. <laughs> it was one of those. <laughs> no, uh, no, I really liked it. it. I don't know. There was a, a great sense of romance about it at the time. It was a weird film, a weird show, I should say. But it is like you're not like just being sarcastic. Like, I enjoyed like, it when I was nine years of age, you know. Okay, well, <laughs> nine-year-old Richie is more intelligent than most yeah. adults I know. So, but then nine-year-old Richie didn't appreciate Die Hard that much. So, who's to say what Moonlighting is really like? Mm. Yeah. Well, it's not that you didn't appre- you just didn't appreciate it as much as the older Richie, though. It's not like he yeah. hated Die Hard at nine. So it's I'd like still I, trust I know I'm film literate now that I like Die Hard more. <laughs> So like I always worry about how literate I am in terms of film. It's like, cause I, I'm like just gonna level with you. I still haven't seen Citizen Kane. Yeah, you've mentioned that. It's like the greatest film of all time, so I just can't watch it because that would be, you know, I'd rather watch Silent Night, Deadly Night too. But that's a good reason not to watch it, is because you yeah. don't like. Isn't that like, if you see the greatest film ever made, then what, what is there to look forward to? That's it. Like, I'm just gonna leave. At it least there. that's a good way to. Yeah, argue. that's one perspective on for sure. Uh, is Citizen Kane still considered the greatest movie of all time? Yeah, I think for for a while on IMDb, the Shawshank Redemption was the highest rated. I I didn't like that at all. I think it's. I used to hate it. I that was one of those films where I saw when it came out. I was like, oh okay. I, I was like thirteen. It's like, yeah, that's good. And then like the only other times I saw it was like because it was on TV the whole time. So I all I I'd probably saw it like a hundred times, mm. but in different sittings. But like two or three years ago, the whoever I've seen at the time, she hadn't seen it, so I was like, "Oh, let's sit down and watch it." And it's fucking really like watching it as an adult as a whole movie. It okay. is a really good film. That's good to hear. Like I, I will rewatch it. But at the time, I think I'd watched Scum, right, the yeah. English prison film, a few years before, and like for me, Scum was prison. It was yeah. grim. Yeah, I so don't grim. T- it's probably not a good, like, an accurate portrayal of what prison yeah. life is. Like some people do right? talk about it as being like gritty and real. And I'm like, what, what film are you watching? Like, it doesn't. There's no grit to that. Like, there is about 15 minutes of the entire film that is yes. like, gritty and where you're like, oh, that's that's uncomfortable. Yeah, but then outside of that, not really. Like, but then like I guess the the film like he becomes kind of powerful in the prison so he's going to be taken out of he's, he's not at risk 
of mm. that sort of side of prison. So I guess yeah. that's it. It's a film I will I will revisit it. It though. is like, good. I'm sure and I I read the uh, the novella at, like long after seeing the film. Stephen King, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 But and that's really good too. Uh, the, it's one of the few things where you're like, oh, the f- maybe it's actually the only piece of writing that exists where you're like, it's good, but the film is actually better. Actually, Die Hard might be that too. Probably. It's like Dave once said, like, why why would you read the book when you can watch the film? <laughs> he did say that. He did. He might deny it now, but he did say that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he also say that? Uh, no wait, what was it? The one about live music, or is this a different one? I think we met up the, we met up the music thing. No, he bit. said that to me. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, no, I thought he true. said that as a joke. I thought He's, that was like he a once said to me that he doesn't like live music, and then I I brought that back up to him when he mentioned something, and he was like, "Why would I say that? Like my Bob Dylan live in '67 is one of my favorite albums." I was like, "That's nonsense, Richie." It's like, "No, Dave, you said it to me." Like I. You know, maybe you were referencing something I was listening to in the car because he didn't he didn't like Richie music at all. Yeah, I think it's difficult to talk about how you would survive being in this scenario because uh, John McClane shouldn't have survived it. No, like it's he's the everyman, like he kind of, but somehow bumbles through it like with sheer determination. Yeah, but what I love about Die Hard is that like he gets the shit kicked out of him throughout mm. the film, and oh, it like shows... you, you probably see him punished like just the, yeah, no the no shoes and ending up with glass. Like, like that's such a great sadistic moment where they shoot out the entire office, and he yeah. ends up going barefoot. He's no choice. That's it's. Uh... But like he's he's not the indestructible hero. He is mm. in bits by the end of the film. Yeah, he's carrying himself. Why he he's going on adrenaline at that point. Mm. I think that's yeah, that's a strong thing in any action film where there's a, there's an actual sense of peril. Like in Terminator Two is really good at the end. Like the he ends up getting like a speared and having his like main main power core destroyed or whatever. Yeah, he loses yeah. an arm. He's limping and still. They manage to defeat like the undefeatable. It's that's what you want from a hero. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's one of the legacies of Die Hard. It's just like he's just he's a like a great classic hero, like very down to earth and relatable. Like there's there's so many human elements of it, like the bad relationship, just you know workplace problems and everything. Like he's just yeah yeah yeah. It's the making of it. This is kind of off topic, but. It's funny that uh, we never meet the friend that he was meant to stay with. Oh, I'm not sure if he's just saying that though. He says like one of his like former workmates has retired there, and oh, okay. So shit, maybe I'm so she, and she never yeah. Like there's a converse, there's a conversation between him and Holly, his wife, uh, like talking about where he's staying, and she's kind of trying to like. I think when it's in her office, yeah, she kind of tries to like thaw everything between them between them, and he he says about that guy and she's like oh well look I I, I have a spare room at my place yeah. so it's like it's you know you have a spare room but your face is like you're probably going to be shacking up with me <laughs> like it's it's a good moment but then he ends up turning it into an argument like he's a complete dick yeah and yeah, brings yeah. up that like they, they didn't yeah, talk for a while and different name and he, stuff yeah he blames her like but you see I always thought he actually did have a friend out there because like when he's in the elevator sh- or in the in the air vent and he's like come out to the coast we'll get together have a few laughs I <laughs> thought he was referring to the friend who convinced him to come out 
Maybe he never really, you know, that that line is not really a callback to anything in particular, it's, is it? No, it's not a callback to anything. But what else could like? Yeah, he's obviously he's obviously referring to somebody who convinced him to come out. Yeah, and that doesn't sound like something his wife would have said. So I always thought that obviously he is there to visit her. Yeah, but he, I always thought he. Was I think he probably had a backup. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah so the guy he waited for somebody else to invite him so as he could yeah. get out there. But yeah, he's counting on her offering him a place. Like the thing is, if John McClane had wanted to avoid all of this in the first place, like for several films, in fact, like family issues have always been at the core of it. Before Die Hard one even occurs, he should have just left his wife. <laughs> I, I don't particularly want to encourage anyone to leave their partner, but. Like, it would have saved him an awful lot of trouble. <laughs> like, just become estranged from the wife and kids and you're going to avoid a lot of... Well, you're going to avoid 73 murders, 650 uh, vehicles destroyed, <laughs> countless millions of collateral damage. Apparently and, $11 million in just vehicle damage. Yeah. That's probably a conservative estimate as well. Who knows what they were driving. Like, I know he hits that same Mercedes four times, but if you count <laughs> them as four Mercedes, that's like that's 200 grand. So is right that the, uh, the survival lesson you come out with from Die Hard is to just leave your wife? Maybe. like uh, <laughs> I'm not saying everyone needs to leave their, their spouse, but, but you know, it should in this be case, on the table. Yeah, least. like, I mean, they they refer to it several times. Like, it keeps happening to them. Like, I think she says it at the end of the second film. It's like, well, look, face it, after that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but then by the third film, he is clearly has a drinking problem and they have separated and then by the fourth one they're divorced so he tried to learn his lesson but he just keeps getting sucked back in I guess see that's the funniest yeah. thing he can't blame his wife for the what happens in, in the fourth film that's for sure <laughs> like, I know you try to blame your partner for most things but yeah. that's why like films like this shouldn't have that many sequels because you get to the point where yeah they end up divorced anyway Yeah. so it makes like well the first film means nothing yeah it's like separated um but yeah, separated in the first film. I mean, she's using the name. Second film, they're together. Like they're, they're getting together. Third film, they're separated. Fourth film, they're divorced. Fifth film, I don't know. She might have done an Adrian and be dead. They might not even mention it. Yeah, like it's now, now it's him dealing primarily with his son. Yeah. So See, eventually it's going to be just the fucking grandkids or something. He's going to have a daycare center <laughs> and gets invaded by terrorists. I'm utterly convinced that the fifth film was a, was just... Or another movie and they just decided at the last minute let's call this Die Hard oh, probably like which was it like Die Hard which one um, Speed 2 was a rejected script for Die Hard 3 apparently really yeah like I mean oh, Die wow. Hard scripts have a weird history of being something else like I think one of them was offered as a lethal weapon film as well well I think wasn't at one point Die Hard was when Arnie was attached to it, it was going to be a sequel to Commando. There was, yeah, there was something like that. There was definitely, there was a Die Hard sequel, but like, there's such a odd convoluted history. Because like, I mean, a lot of these films jumped from studio to studio yeah. as well. And I think it, it was going to be a Dirty Harry movie at one point. Yeah, like, mm. I mean, you can see that. Yeah, and especially if it was like, at the time when they were just adapting the book... Mm. age-wise it would have made more sense feels like it could be a commando sequel like it doesn't mean we still couldn't do our commando prequel the the young john matrix chronicles like we can still do that 
Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's something we haven't Jeez, discussed in that's, years. That's going back. Yeah, that might be. That's one of the the first things we might have like sat down and yeah talked about. But yeah, I think Die Die Hard Three has the weirdest history. Like they're all based on something pre-existing, seemingly. But the um, the third one was initially a script meant for Brandon Lee because he was like he was doing well in action terms. Like, that was yeah. yeah, that was post Crow. Um, but then it was rewritten for Lethal Weapon. Well, it couldn't have been post Crow. Um, was when was the Crow? Well, wasn't he dead post Crow? Very true. <laughs> very true. Um, but after that, it was re- yeah, it was rewritten for Lethal Weapon. But then it Fox bought it and made it Die Hard Three. Like that's right. such a convoluted history for a script. Like it is just you just drop John McClane into things and hope yeah, for the best. Like yeah. and lash those catchphrases in there and wow, so yeah. Like, so the entire history of Die Hard is just him being dropped so like what I was saying about Die Hard 5 being a different movie that they just decided to make a Die Hard film that's absolutely likely considering that's what they were doing throughout yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if the worst film of all Die Hard 5 which we haven't seen or you might have seen we don't know <laughs> I, I think like, I've seen like that is the um, the only film that could have been written specifically as a Die Hard in the first place and it's the least Die Hard-ish <laughs> I should have really read more about Die Hard 5 but I don't want to like it'll just no. make me sad why would you do that to yourself yeah. I think like though yet I actually have hope for a new one because I think we're at the point now I think it's like Stephen King films right so like mm-hmm. with the exception of stuff like like so Misery Shawshank Stand By Me they're all great films but they're yeah. definitely exceptions to the rule mm. typically you watch a Stephen King movie from well, from Carrie onwards, Carrie was pretty good. They're all pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, no other way. They to have it. a reputation for being pretty. Yeah, they're awful. all fucking awful, even when they're based off like his best books. And mm. I think it's because he was a new or like he was a current author at the time. Also, like maybe effects wise, we weren't at a point where you could mm. do do them justice but I think it's because like he was current at the time it was just people making films because like oh this is a best selling book we'll make a film of it now you have really good adaptions of Stephen King books coming out Mm. because the people making them have grown up as fans yeah it's not just something that's popular at the moment being licensed because that's what you have to do there's actual affection there the reason it is a great film is because the people behind it read that when they were kids they have fond memories of it hmm. I think I have hope that, that whatever the next Die Hard film is will be made by people who actually grew up with Die Hard where it means something more to them than well like I mean more would have been that person too I guess I really wish I could buy into that but it's a Fox film they're just going to make it shit <laughs> yeah it's gonna, It's just going to be set in a car park yeah <laughs> well, I, I would like it if they brought it back to being a smaller film like the prison thing maybe not the best idea maybe it's a bit derivative but at least it's a, like a centralised location like I think it grows from being a relatively small film set in one building to being set in an airport but I mean they blow up two planes and there's a big fight on a wing of a fucking airplane during yeah, it so yeah. the scale goes increases then the third one is kind of a road movie just seeing all the sides of New York and then it just becomes a typical action movie like they're all yeah. there's nothing to really differentiate Die Hard from everything else except the motherfucker and Bruce Willis's 
So if if you were to make if you were to make the next Die Hard movie and you want to do you want to make it like the first one where you're you're containing it to one location, what do you think is the location where you uh, set it? The thing is, like so many, like I think Under Siege was probably pitched as a Die Hard film as well. I mean, it's it's a, it's a chef now, not a cop, but he's a martial arts chef, so that compensates. And it's set on a ship. Then Under Siege Two is on a train, and <laughs> um, we've got Speed. That's on a bus. We've got Die Hard 3, which is a lot of it's in a taxi. Like a taxi is yeah. one of the iconic things for it. Um, like where else can you put it? Like we've already, we've done planes. Die I got Hard it. 2. I, I, I got it. So he's a Philadelphia cop. Is he? Yeah, I think he's from Philadelphia. Well, he's from... He's... Oh, he wor- I know he works in New York. And then the first one's in LA. Yeah, I don't know I where think he's, he's from though. I think Maybe. he's from Philadelphia originally. Oh, okay. I, he refers to himself as a Philly cop. In the first one. Oh, Jesus, I missed that but one. But yeah, I think he's stationed in New York. Yeah. Maybe he goes back to Philadelphia. And I think you set it during the, the night Philadelphia won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Where like, because like, they all just went fucking So you're, are you shit. trying to tie this into Always Sunny? Pretty much, Because I, yeah. um, I can do you one on that. <laughs> uh, like, you will not remember this in Die Hard 4. One of the hackers that Timothy Olyphant's character hires is uh, Charlie's uncle from, from oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to say Mac because he popped up. Charlie's uncle. Charlie's uncle's the in it. Pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Like, there's no scene with his hands, and I don't think he has a mustache. But yeah, he's in there. Like, I couldn't tell you that actor's name, but. Oh, he's, he's amazing, whoever he is. Yeah, he's he's not as good in this, but he doesn't have much to do. Like, it's he just kind of looks at screens a bit and then shouts something at Timothy Oliphant. That's brilliant. Yeah, this is off topic, but have you ever watched uh, Real Liars React to on YouTube? No, I have not. It's amazing. It's a guy. He he runs the channel himself. It's called Legal Eagle. Yeah, and he pretty much just he's a lot. He's a practicing lawyer, and he just reviews shows, law shows, I guess. But uh, he does a great episode where he reviews episodes of Always Sunny dealing <laughs> like all the ones with that, that poor lawyer they always run into yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's great because he clearly he's a practicing lawyer who has clearly never watched Always Sunny up until these episodes <laughs> and it's amazing to watch a man who, who doesn't understand the show to do that episode where one of the episodes anyway where he he's watching it and he sees Charlie's uncle with the fake hands <laughs> and for some reason, it's just hilarious. Where he's just like, "Why is he? Why is he wearing fake ha- fake hands?" I'm sure they'll they'll explain this. <laughs> and just hearing a man with those expectations watching all of a sunny, and you're just like, "Oh, you you poor, you poor man." You're not in your your environment. <laughs> Out of your depth, motherfucker. So what do we have to survive? So we uh, you don't take your shoes off. Yeah. Walkie talkie uh, earpiece. That's walkie talkie earpiece. And leave your wife. <laughs> leave your wife. <laughs> Uh, what else can I bring to this? Uh, if he didn't have kids, maybe he wouldn't have been as maybe if like so. How different would Die Hard be if they were just dating and he was visiting her? Let's say they don't have kids, and he hears like that scene where he's in her office changing, and he hears the gunshots. If they don't have kids, he might be like, "I was gonna take a the fire exit and just." 
I'll I'll call nine one one and yeah. let the police know there's terrorists here, but I'm not sticking around to put my life at risk. Yeah, the kids aren't a big part of the film. Like the the main way they come into it is the media douchebag goes and yeah. finds the kids, like after he finds out it's John McLean, and interviews them on telly, and then, you know, Holly McLean gets to deck him at the end, like, and then that does lead into stuff in the sequel. But this like, is she just deck him again in the sequel. No, she's on a flight with him. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah, she's on yeah. she's on the same flight. Like it's kind of weird. Like I like that they have her trapped on a plane that's like in the air while John's dealing with this stuff on the ground. Like that's I, I think that's good. Like I mean, you can see it's got the same writer as the first film at least. Yeah, yeah. But then like yeah, she ends up on the plane with him, and he gets his exclusive and starts like broadcasting from the plane, talking about like what's going on. And I think I think she makes him eventually. It might be. Sorry, I think she like sprays mace on him. There's definitely like there, yeah, they definitely yeah. have an altercation. And I yeah. thought she just ended up decking him again. Yeah, it's great though. At the start, like um, he's being a pain in the ass to the air hostesses, and he kind of mentions not being able to sit next to to Holly, and um, the air hostess kind of asks her like, "Oh, look, what's happening with him?" And she's like, "Oh, he has an uh, in." what is it uh, a restraining order against me and he won the officer yeah. champagne on the basis of that because <laughs> he's such a dick I thought that I like that that's pretty good because yeah. we never talked about your man what is it um, oh the guy in the first film um, cocaine douchebag lover Ellis uncle. Ellis yeah <laughs> like, he's he's hilarious Like I like Ellis like yeah. he's a good supporting little minor character to have Like I think that's what some of the other films lack is guys like him. It's funny because I always remember the film as him being just like a complete cunt who mm. like sold John out because I haven't seen it in a few years and then rewatching like, oh no, he like, he's not an absolute bad guy. He he thinks he knows better than John. When he offers up John to the terrorists, he does it without letting them know that Holly is the wife. He pretends that he's the person that invited John. It's true, but he does also try and bang his wife. So I think Ellis is definitely still a complete dickhead. Well, he didn't like. I mean, he does. He, he he's got. Oh, uh, I think he does. He have, does he invite her somewhere or something? Like I think he kind of suggests there's going to be like a Christmas party, little dalliance, like. In, yeah, no, he certainly in does. Her private toilet. Well, I mean, she's going by a different surname. So as far as he's concerned, is that that marriage is over? Yeah, like. Like, does I, it suggest I, that she's spoken to him about it and he's, like, aware of the situation? Like, I mean, or he's heard the office gossip or something that, like... Yeah, like, I guess he's a bit of a sex pest. Yeah, I, he I, looks I, like a sex pest. Yeah, he, well, he certainly looks like one. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be put into a position where I, where I have to defend Ellis. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, when he meets with Gruber to try and, like... Mm. S- he He's an idiot, but he is trying to solve... The he sort of is like he's, he's kind going of, about it in the wrong way. He's sort of doing it because he thinks he might get a you know a suck job from somebody <laughs> afterwards just because he saved the day, <laughs> or he's like he's gonna snort cocaine like, off somebody's breast. What I love like, is when he's self motivated for definitely. When you like, see him sitting at the table, and one of I think it's the the brother of the blonde guy that comes in and pours the coke for him. The t- the tiny bit of coke, like the like, <laughs> 15 milliliters of coke. And you're just like, oh, well, he's dead. Like when he's, yeah, wait- he's- when he has terrorists wait, when he thinks he has them waiting on yeah. him, it's like, well, he's, he's not making it out. I've, like I've dealt with the Japanese. I can deal with German terrorists. It's fine. <laughs> and I love that like John McClane is like, tell them you don't know me. Like what yeah. are you doing? But yeah, I just like he's not as bad as we remember 
him because he could ha- he could have given just John up completely. Yeah. Uh, and he would have put other people's life at risk. And he, he put his own instead, out of stupidity. But mm. that actor is great, though. He plays a yeah, He's not a guy I know. Like he's No, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. He's probably like a telly guy now. Like he's He was in ER for nine years and he just didn't know because we would watch the ER. I'm sure he played other dickheads in films. So the, the number of the films matches how good they are. As in Die Hard is the best one. Easy. Die Hard 2 is the second best one. Yeah. Die Hard 3 I think 3 and 4 you have to swap around I don't, oh really 3 is not great 3 is See, a lot of, there's a lot of good action three. set pieces and ideas but the film's just not that good like Iron Jeremy Irons isn't fantastic at all like he should be a lot better than he is yeah that's what like I haven't seen it in so long that I just can't remember but when you said that to me that like Jeremy Irons just isn't a good villain yeah. That just seems insane because I don't even think it's him. Act. I think I think it's what he's given to work with just of isn't course. that great. Yeah, like yeah, you should yeah. be able to do more with this is the brother of the guy who died in that amazing legendary film from ten years ago. It's like but they don't do that. It's like he's he's too self serving. Well it's mad because like Jeremy Irons probably plays the best villain in cinema history in fucking The Lion King. Like whatever you think about that film, like as Scar, isn't Jeremy Irons Scar? I don't know. Yeah, I think he's Scar. Oh, very like, possibly. Scar is a fucking incredible villain. He's ruthless. Yeah. And it's a Disney movie. Well, apart from the whole fact that they ripped it off from Osamu Tezuka, the the Japanese director, it's really direct rip off of a load of stuff from um, Kim by the White Line. Like it's after you read about all that, it's like I've seen frame by frame comparisons of like. Oh, Kim of the White Line was like a long running comic book series and a TV series and there's been movies but there right. are large chunks of it where it's like frame by frame almost They've oh just, really yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's Kim of the White Line like Osama Tezuka was like he was he's like the godfather of anime and manga like he created like you've probably heard of Astro Boy yeah Astro Boy's one of his but yeah yeah I know I've like seen, he, I've he seen created bits of it like a ridiculous number of major shows like that were in the early days of like I suppose like Japanese media um, but yeah The Lion King is just like they ripped it off and like they even the Kimba to Simba and during pre-production Simba was known as Kimba but um, apparently like they looked into suing Disney but they were basically told look you're a small company you're going to be taking on Disney you're fucked yeah. don't bother so they never did right there's a few good like online documentaries about it but it's it's really blatant when you look at them like it's but it's also just Hamlet as well it is but like, uh, but but the, the fact that they're the idea of them using yeah, animals I mean, as the sand and like, like I mean, there's so there, I think there's a scene where like Kimba is held up by a baboon and things wow. like it's, and like the murder is really similar. There's all sorts Fuck. of all sorts I've of stuff. I've never heard like, that. Yeah, like it's I don't know like, I guess Tezuka his work is so old. Like that character is probably created in the 40s or 50s, so it's not really that widely right. known. And so, what forms of media does does this exist in? I think um, comic book, manga initially, and then uh, TV series for years, and right. a movie. Like I think some of it's so probably it has, been licensed. Oh, it has in the West. been. It's been adapted for screen. Like oh yeah, okay. like several times. It's one of those shows that probably gets rebooted wow. every ten years or so in some okay, TV show or whatever. Up. Yeah, like I, I can't think who did it. Um, I may make a note of it. What, what, I, don't I think it might be that Irish lad. Back to it. I was like, <laughs> oh, I may make a note. I'll fucking be editing this. There's some. I think it's an Irish lad. Um, Super Eyepatch Wolf maybe it's him who does one about it there's somebody who did a really good short documentary piece just comparing it and the whole situation right. okay like you're apparently like you're banned in Disney from talking about uh, Kim of the White Line 
<laughs> really? Like, I think there was like there was legitimately like um, a letter went around being like, yeah, don't talk about this because some people fessed up. That, does, that sounds went, yeah, very. Pl- I've heard stories like that before, yeah. where even like employees in Disneyland aren't allowed to say certain things. It's a wonder they managed to make that film in Disneyland. That fucking that weird kind of horror, psychological horror thing. Have you seen that one? Like, oh, anyway. I saw uh, like oh. Um, it's in black and white and everything. Yeah, I know um, the thing you're talking about. Nichols, Jenny Nicholson made a video about it, whatever her um, name is. Oh, maybe she did. Do you know who... Is she the one who does Star Wars shit a lot? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to follow her. Should we wrap it up there? Do you think we've uh, survived Die Hard? Yeah, by getting divorced by getting and the- wearing <laughs> shoes and having a walkie earpiece. Like, you're, you're pretty much being me, except, you know, I'm not divorced yet. <laughs> yet. Give it, give it time. Um, Love you, Sarah. So I want to start, like, I want to end episodes with us deciding what you could pack into your bug out bag to uh, help you survive. Shit, I forgot about that bit. Well, I think we already answered it. I just think pretty much did shoes, earpiece. A spare pair um, of shoes. Lawyer. Good good divorce lawyer. (laughs) A good divorce lawyer in your bag. Spare pair of shoes. Yeah. Earpiece. And I think you're sorted. I can't think of anything else. I I mean, the shoes are... He has to steal a gun in the first film, doesn't he? So, you know, maybe yeah. bring a gun. But he, no, no he, has a, he has a gun. He has initially. a gun to begin with. But yeah, he still He just like ends up like getting gun. the. Yeah. I, I think having a spare pair of shoes is probably the. That's good advice. I mean, I, I do keep a pair of spare shoes in my boot at the car most of the time, just because I'm probably going to get fucking soaking wet on set. So. Makes sense. But yeah, so we we survived Die Hard. Yeah, comfortably. Just I don't know what's happened to us now. Like we're single and living in New York. So. <laughs> yeah, he's probably still personal <laughs> alcoholics. We're just uh, living in a bed sit together. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Richie. Pleasure. I think we'll end it there. Uh, so this was our uh, Christmas special. It's also the first episode in a long time. Uh, hopefully in the new year we'll get back at a regular schedule and I'll hear from Shane. Until then, have a happy Christmas and a nice apocalypse. <laughs>